What were Jesus's thoughts on the term eye for an eye? How difficult is it to turn the other cheek? Why did Jesus say, if someone asked you to go one mile with them, you should go too? How are we supposed to love our enemies? And what does it mean to be perfect? Chris and Murdoch try to tackle these questions and more on this episode of Your Church Friends. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Murdoch. And we're going to continue picking up with the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, and this is actually the second time recording this specific section of which... The other episode has been lost in time. Forever forgotten. No, we actually have it, but we just (laughs) recorded it in a weird way, and we figured this one would be much better for everybody listening. Yeah, it started off, and we did the first segment, uh, the eye for an eye, which we'll get into in a second. And then we realized we never really said anything specifically and just danced around a topic. So this time, we're just going to look at eye for an eye and loving your enemies together. Right. So it's we can't really separate this thing. And when you talk about one without the other, it just doesn't make sense. So hopefully this will make sense. And even us saying that will make sense as we go through it (laughs) because you weren't there for that other episode. Anyways, here we go. You want me to read it? Yeah, go for it. I'll read it. Jesus says this, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, hold on, turning the page. Love your enemies and pray that those who persecute and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brother, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. So much of the time, and you probably feel this way too, is that you can read a passage of scripture and just go, yeah, that's what it says. I feel that way sometimes when it comes to preaching. It's like, what more am I supposed to tell you about this? Just hear what it's saying. Right. That's what it is. Uh, Nonetheless, we're going to talk about this one for a while. But yeah, there's so much packed into this that Jesus was really confronting back in his day. But Humanity hasn't changed so much as far as the things that Jesus is addressing here. So I think that it still applies. I don't think it still applies. It definitely still applies to us here in 2020. The whole eye for an eye thing is brought up in Exodus um, where Moses gets the law and he gives it to people. And in Exodus 21, 23 through 25, it says, uh, but if there's a serious injury, you are to take a life for a life. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot to foot, uh, burn for burn and wound for wound, bruise for bruise. And really what it was getting in there was uh, this idea of like if someone does something to you, you get to do something back to them. But that's it. It, You can't go beyond and you can't seek revenge. And like, um, have you ever seen the John Wick movies? No. Uh, I haven't either, but I've heard about them. <laughs> Why are we using a reference? We Neither of us have, because I've read about it. And uh, I, I've, I've always wanted to see it, just never time. And with kids, you just never get that anymore. But basically, John Wick goes on this like revenge thing because I think people either killed his dog or took his dog. But he was like a hitman or something. And I'm probably screwing it up. So if 
anyone wants to complain about how bad I'm making this movie. But the idea was like someone just did something to his dog and he went out and just like took lives. And and the whole law what Moses put together was to prevent that, right? That if someone does something to us, we don't go beyond and get crazy and do something like that. I feel like that could be on one of those uh, social media posts of describe a movie pop badly. <laughs> <laughs> That's on our YouTube channel. That's going to be one of the the next things. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. It keeps justice, right? It's yeah. This idea of justice is that if you do something, there is an equal punishment, so to say. There's something that needs to be paid that's equal to. You can't go beyond. And you said that that was in Exodus that you read that? Yeah. So that's actually an interesting thing. I believe it's brought up in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, So it's not really something that we can be sure that, oh, this is where Jesus grabbed it from. I wanted to pull out in Deuteronomy because the wording here is a little different. This is in Deuteronomy 19.21. Uh, It says, you must show no pity. Life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, and foot for foot. So again, that wording there, you must show no pity. There's no favoritism. There's no mercy. It's if you do this, there is... Can't think of the word. There's something to pay. You got to pay it. <laughs> you got to pay it? Yeah. It's not punishment to pay. We should just scrap this whole part. What is there to pay? You do the crime, you do the time. Help me, Chris. <laughs> I don't know. Pay the piper? <laughs> no, all of that's bad. Anyways, but yeah, show no pity. And obviously, this would help keep people from committing the crime because you know, hey, if I do this, it's coming right back at me in the full force of which I committed it. Um, so it's on that hand. It, helps prevent it but then as you also mentioned is that that helps people people from just absolutely raging out and going way overboard uh with what they were demanding in, in as far as justice goes and then we get into well, now what jesus says so jesus comes in and says you have heard it said eye for eye tooth for tooth whether it was from any of those books or not and then he comes in with this but i tell you do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other one also. And wow, right? Like someone hits me, there's a good chance you're going to get hit back. You know, like that's just the tendency, especially a man. And, and, and the cool part about this is like with Jesus describing this smack on the cheek, it wasn't just like a smack. It was a backhand. And as a guy, there's no bigger insult, I think, to me personally than another man backhanding me. Yeah, it completely comes and hits you right in the dignity, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, what did you just do? And especially whether or not you two are the only ones who knew it, or if it's in public and everybody else just saw you got backhanded. It's just, yeah, I think obviously this is 2,000 years ago all the way up till today. It's known, ooh, you just got backhanded. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's time to throw down. And what Jesus is telling them here, turn the other cheek. It's simply this concept of like you turn and let them have the other side. Um, basically, it was saying, why repay evil for evil and create two types of evils? And I really enjoyed this thought because we're looking at the physical kind of side of being backhanded. But what if uh, someone says something about you behind your back in secret and you find out or someone's talking about you and, and is smearing your person that you brought up the word dignity? And what if someone's coming at your dignity, integrity? What do we do as Christians? Do we just let it happen? Do we come at them and say, no, no, you talked, you said this about me. We're here five things back at you that I know about you personally that I could chop you down. And I guess, not I guess, I know what Jesus was saying was you don't have to always rebuttal back when someone comes at you. You know, eventually if it's an attack on your person, well, your person, who you are and your character should outshine that lie or that attack. 
Right. I think it's interesting that he starts off, do not resist an evil person. Pretty crazy that he's right out the gate like, hey, evil person is going to be these people that are coming and attacking you. Mm -hmm. And whatever that label is to signify, obviously you don't want to be on that side of things. But um, see, I think that when I look at this, because you said, what are we supposed to do as a Christian? I think that as a Christian, the scriptural truth is you still have that thing called the flesh. Is yeah. that when somebody does come and attack your dignity, there's going to be that part inside that wants to well up inside with that rage, with that, oh, yeah, who are you to talk to me like that? Like, that's an expected reaction in the flesh. But what Jesus is showing is by living life in the spirit, you don't allow that to come out. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you don't respond with violence with violence. You don't respond with evil with evil. Instead, you're allowed to move into this thing called grace and mercy to where it's, oh, you smack me? Let me show you how to actually operate in this world because your light is then shining before men. This person who just completely backhanded you is able to go, whoa, that's not what I expected. Right. What's going on with this person? And by the very example of your life, you're showing something different. And then to even offer the other cheek, like, yeah, dude, if you want to go that route, you can go that route, but I'm not going to stoop to that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to keep loving you. The response that we're seeing here is love yeah. as opposed to evil or hatred. And it's cool that Jesus kind of outlines it in two segments. The way I look at it in my head, it's the eye for an eye. So you heard someone do this. And then in the next part, but I tell you, love your enemies. You know, you, you've heard it, love your neighbor but and hate your enemy. But I'm now telling you, love your enemy. And he starts off, do not resist the evil person who would be our enemy, who would attack us on that level. So the solution to all of it, how can I not, how can I turn my cheek when someone's insulting me? How can I just let that happen? Uh, the answer is love. I love maybe not them completely, but when I look at it, I love God enough that I can submit to what he's asked me to do and just let it happen without trying to justify myself, without trying to come up with a solution as to how to get back to them or, or anything to pay vengeance on them for, for coming at me in my name that way. Right. And when you're talking about like, let it happen, I think that that's where people can feel like here is, oh, so what, I'm just supposed to become a doormat then? Like, is becoming a loving person mean that I'm a doormat? If someone wants to slap me, I just let them slap me. If they want to sue me, then I give them more. And it's like, no, that's not what's happening here. It's that love is still looking for the opportunity to love, even in the face of something offensive. I like that. That it's something that, hey, if you want to backhand me, I'm going to take this as an opportunity to actively love you Mm -hmm. and show you what forgiveness looks like and show you that, I see whatever your hurt is. I see whatever you're going through that would cause you to backhand me. And I'm willing to turn the other cheek to still approach you in love in hopes that something different can come from this. Mm -hmm. Because I know if I act like the world acts and I just go and I smack you back or whatever, this whole thing starts off like a feudal war, right? Right. Hey, why are these nations against each other? I don't know. 300 years ago, someone got backhanded. (laughs) Because that's literally what happens in history, right? Yeah. But Jesus just going, no, 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 this is kingdom right here. Yeah. This is something different. This is something from above and asking us to take part in that. And I don't see it as something that's just, oh, let it happen to you. It's the eagerly waiting to interact in the world that, no, somebody's going to do this. I'm still going to be the person who Christ created me to be. Yeah, I like that you said looking for an active way to love someone because I have right here in my notes, uh, we don't lash out against things. When people do that, we ignore it or absorb it. 
And when I then put these two concepts together, actively looking so I could absorb the insult, take it, and then look for an active way to love them and, and show forgiveness is the probably the most beneficial way. But it's not being a doormat. You're 100% right. You know, it's not showing weakness. It's not being the weaker person. Uh, I actually read this. It says, psychologists tell us that violence is born of weakness, not strength. It is the strong man who can love and suffer hurt. It is the weak man who thinks only of himself and hurts others to protect himself. He hurts others, then runs away to protect himself. And that, that was such an eye-opening concept to me. Because I think a lot of times we think we find our strength in kind of paying it back to somebody. But here it's saying that violence is born out of weakness. It's born out of our insecurities. It's born out of the things that I feel like me as a person have been hurt. But my strength is when I can suffer it and, and love back. Did you have that quote the last time that we recorded this? I think so. Oh, I don't remember it, but I remember me bringing it up that, hey... You're actually really weak if you have to respond in violence. You know, it's like, oh, I can't bear it and I need to lash out. And it's just coming from a point of weakness. So, yeah, I'm spot on with what you're saying. I still think that maybe you heard what I did and then thought, I'm going to find a smart <laughs> quote to sum that up. No, this has been in there. No, but really, it is the thing of just, dude, if you can't make it through the world without being offended, like responding in anger, responding in violence is a weak position. Yeah. To be able to take that offense and then actually respond in love, that shows true strength of character. That shows like nobility, integrity, actually doing something positive in the world because, yeah, I think it's pretty weak the other way around. And Jesus outlines just so much stuff in this one little section of eye for an eye, you know, like the you turn your cheek. If someone wants to sue you, sue you for a tunic, you give them your cloak as well. Uh, if someone uh, wants you to go one mile, you go an extra mile with them. And that even has to do with like the Roman soldiers who could come and tell them like, hey, you've got to carry my stuff for one mile. And they would do that. And Jesus is saying, hey, if the Roman soldiers did that, you carry it two miles. And the even the visual picture of that is when Jesus carried his cross. You know, he's, so he did that. And in saying this, Jesus is saying, you're going to see me do this. So it's not something I'm telling you just with words, you're going to see my actions. Yeah, Jesus was good at doing that. For as much as right. we can get into this sermon, like, wow, mm -hmm. that was a great sermon. Then you look at his life, and he's like, ah, he lived the thing. He's putting words to his actions. Even wrapping that up with, if someone asks you for something, don't turn away the one who wants to borrow. And it's, it's really this attitude that he's coming at, checking our attitude on what we think is ours possessionally, and what is ours with who we are, you know, kind of the, the person, my dignity or integrity or who I am as a person. So if someone checks that, let it go. If someone's coming at you and needs something or wants something, remember your stuff isn't really so much yours. It's, it's mine. So give to them. But the stem of all of it is uh, out of love, right? So yes, Jesus didn't say stop loving your neighbor. He said, you have heard it, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. No, no, I'm just kind of upping it. I'm changing it a little bit to love your neighbor and love your enemy, the ultimate solution of everything. If you want to be this person who who can put away retaliation, who could put away this idea that I need to repay someone because they wronged me, you have to start learning to love people. Yeah, and loving your enemy, ultimately we see the power behind all of this spiritually is at the cross and the resurrection to where God's spirit is poured out on mankind, that everything that Jesus did and taught and lived it finally gets released on us all to, hey, enter into this thing of following Jesus. But what that's supposed to do is bring us back to the original intention and purpose for mankind is to be a family. So it's like, how do we get back to that point? We need to first recognize, hey, there are enemies, <laughs> you know, there yeah. are enemies here. 
and whether it's racial groups or economic groups or national groups or whatever it is, or even within families or just whatever's going on. And Jesus is saying, hey, look, there's enemies. And what you need to do is love them mm -hmm. because what's happening now is we're all getting brought back into this loving family through forgiveness, through reconciliation. And you, as the one that's following me, you are tasked with kind of shouldering that burden of taking the offense because you know what forgiveness looks like from God the Father. So it's kind of like, if you know how you've been forgiven, go out and forgive others. If you, or even Jesus at other points says, hey, suffering is a part of this thing. You're yeah. going to have to pick up your cross and bear that thing. And we really see that, as you're saying, it's not just in the sermon, it's in the living out of it. So I think that it would be impossible. How would we all come back together as the family of God without being able to go to our enemies and make that right? And you can't go to your enemies and keep hating them. Mm -hmm. So obviously you need to love them. Yeah, it's a really good point. And I liked you brought up the family stuff again, because that's really what Jesus did. Like he wants to bring us back to a family. Well, it says that even uh, verse 45, that you may be sons of your father yes. in heaven. Yeah. So, so again, that's all part of what he's packing in. Reflecting reflecting the father. So if this the father is the forgiving one for us, then we turn around and forgive other people when they've wronged us. And I, I the idea that came to my head while you were talking about it, all of this is this idea of um, the enemy likes division. Mm -hmm. And I know sometimes we like give the enemy way too much credit for what he does in our lives because most of the time it's just us being stupid and we do it to ourselves. But there are real things that are his game plan. And to me, his game plan has been division and separation since day one. Yep. When he attacked Eve, it was in a separate attack to Adam. And then he attacked, you know, the Adam got kind of brought into it. But it was this separation where they were just kind of wandering through the, the garden. And that was the plan. And it caused division between them and God. And even there, the right, the enemy tells a lie, mm -hmm. and the lie brings forth death, which death means separation. Right. So yeah, he's been doing it since the beginning, telling lies to cause division. And, and separation, separation. Yeah. yes. And, and look at today in our culture, right? That's what we're facing. It's so much separation. It's so much division. You even want to take it beyond like what's happening this year in 2020 and go into like just churches itself. There's so much separation and division over little things that the enemy's pulling us apart when really it should be reconciling and bringing together. And that's what God wanted to do. And it's all through one word, love. So can I love another Christian just because they say speaking in tongues is this way and I say speaking in tongues is that way? But can I still love them? Or do I say, you know what, you're now too separate and far from me, and so where there's a division and a wall between us? And I think that's a good point. Can I still love them? But what we need to get into our minds and what Jesus is doing here is what we think love looks like versus what Jesus is mm -hmm. teaching us love looks like. Because yeah. we can be like, no, the loving thing is to slam the door in their face so that they know that they're wrong. Because the most loving thing I could do is make sure that they know <laughs> that they are wrong. You get what I mean? Yeah. Now I need to slap them awake with something. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're the one that's on the receiving end of the slap. Mm -hmm. You know, you're the one that's going through uh, on that process. Yeah, I think that you're onto something. And I, it's just, it's this crazy concept. The simplicity of it all is love. And, and we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll get back into it and go a little more. But I just wanted to, before we go into it, just this, like, again, division is what the enemy wants. Love is what God wants. And Jesus is saying here, don't let your pride divide you from somebody else. Love them. Don't let, just because you're so prideful that they've done something to you and wronged you, separate you from them. Quick story. I just hung out with a buddy 
this weekend and we haven't really been connected for like the last nine years or so, but there was a, an issue that kind of separated us. Even this is a church issue. This is a friendship that was church and there something happened and it separated us. And for nine years, in between those nine years, yeah, there's moments where I myself harbored bitterness, anger, resentment. Um, and then over the last three to four years, God's worked on a lot of that in myself, even to this point. And then God brought us together. The only way God knows how, right? Just random social media comment led to further connection, led to further connection, led to going out and having breakfast and hanging out. And God brought us back together. And man, I walked away from that day thinking God is so good that he just reconciled a relationship that I always wanted to reconcile. But that's love. It's setting aside my pride and saying, I don't care if you wronged me. My answer to that is I'm going to love you. And I wish I would have known this answer back when it all happened. Uh, but you know, God does good does things. So anyways, uh, unless you want to add anything, I'm going to go into our break and then we'll pick up after that. No, let's hit the break. All right. Uh, so enjoy this commercial. Good morning and happy Wednesday. Thanks for joining us. I'm Casey Curry with YCF Kids News. Our top story today podcasts, why are adults listening to them? But before we get to that, let's go to our on the street reporter, Reed, as he talks to the people to find out how can you love your enemies. Hi, I'm Reed on the street, finding out today how people love their enemies. Excuse me, can you please tell me how you love your enemies? I love my enemies because anytime when I want to pray for them, it always comes true. And when it gets true, they be even nicer to everybody in the almost maybe even the whole world when they travel and everything. So that's why I think we should give a chance to our enemies. And you, sir, how do you love your enemies? So there is one way that I love my enemies is if they don't treat me right, I'll pray to God at night to help them to see what's going wrong with them. And I still love them no matter what. The Lord will help them and we must love our enemies because God treated us all how we are now. We love our enemies and they are not mostly enemies or kind of good people because God created them. Ma'am, would you like to tell us how you love your enemies? Um, so I think how to love your enemies is you have sometimes have to give them a chance. Even if they're rude to you, you just have to pray for them. And maybe God will help them and teach them to be nicer to everyone and how to love. And maybe you can speak them the word about God if they don't know. And you can just help them be more positive. There you have it. Easy ways to, to love your enemies, folks. I'm Reed on the street. Back to you, Casey. Wow, great work out there, Reed. Now to Remy for the weather. The next seven days, it seems like they will be hot. However, it could also rain. Also, there might be clear skies or lots of clouds. But it's definitely going to be windy, I think. Thanks, Remy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. For Reed and Remy, I'm Casey with YCF Kids News. Thanks for joining us. This is Reed from YCF Kids News with another episode of Reed on the Street to see what podcasts people are listening to. Excuse me, sir. Do you listen to podcasts? Yes, I do. In fact, I host my own podcast. You do? What's your podcast name? It's Your Church Friends. 
Where can they listen to your podcast? It's available on all your favorite podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Podbean. Also, if people want, they can come visit our website, yourchurchfriends.rocks. We have all our episodes up there for people to listen to. A link for our online shop with t-shirts, mugs, and other accessories if you feel like supporting us. Our latest YouTube videos, where you can like, subscribe, and share our videos. And a link to join our Facebook group page to get all the latest updates on what's going on with our podcast. Well, thank you for your time. Oh, also, you can listen to our podcast on our YouTube channel. And please buy a shirt if you can. Okay, that's Oh, buy a shirt. shirt. Buy a shirt. Yourchurchfriends.rocks. Because we rocks. Get out of here. Ugh. All right. For YCF Kids News, I'm Ree. And this was Read on the Street. All right, so that was YCF Kids News. I just love that they are a part of what we're doing here. (laughs) And as we're getting back into this, uh, in the first section, we really see the the contrasting of what love looks like versus really the social expectation or even the legal expectation. Uh, If you look at suing for the tunic and giving the cloak as well, or maybe it says, you know, your shirt and then your, your coat is that within the Israelite thing, you weren't allowed to take somebody's cloak for any length of time because that was their covering. I mean, they slept with that thing. That was something that was somewhat essential to them. So it was like, no, you're not allowed to take that. But Jesus saying, go ahead and give that too. When you're looking at the, as you brought up, the forcing you to go one mile and how that went as far as the Romans legally, yeah, force you to go a mile. And Jesus is saying, go f- even further beyond that. But we see that that's from human to human aspect. And then we move into the second spot and you get our heavenly father to human aspect and why that first part makes sense. Because he's saying, hey, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends his rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So if you love those who love you, what reward do you get? Don't even the tax collectors do the same. So it's like, okay, the reason why you're having this interchange between people is look at how God treats everybody. And I like that you brought up the tax collectors because when they would have heard that term, like tax collectors. Utter disgust. Utter disgust. Like they were not looked at very nicely. They were hated by the Jewish community because the tax collectors, and I don't know if we brought this up before, they were basically Jews who were, who had bought a portion of people where they could, like a, a section where they could tax and they would just pay that to the government and then they would go and taxing people to make their money back, but they could also inflate that pricing to make their money it was a Jew going and working for the oppressive governmental people and not only just taxing their own people, but like you said, going above and beyond that and lining their own pockets. So yeah. When he says even the tax collectors do that, it's such a dig at the the people who are listening. Yeah. The people that you hate and despise, they look after their own. They love the people who love them. Right. So what are you better than those people that you despise is like that big question. How are you living differently than them? And uh, I love that he starts off with pray for those who persecute you, because to me, that's such a man. Someone does something wrong to me. Praying for them is not the first thing that comes to my mind. And what you just said, what comes to your mind and what makes everything of what Jesus makes so much more sense is if we look at, hey, he's basically dismantling everything that you thought you knew about life and he's giving you a new life. If you're trying to factor 
what he's teaching into the old way of thinking, you're just going to keep having these conflicts. Like, right. well, what do I do here? Do I love the person? Do I not love the person? Versus just scrap everything else, only take on what he's teaching. And then it's so much easier and it makes so much more sense because it's not your brain just thinks, oh, there's a person. I love that person. Oh, there's somebody. I pray for that person. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's just all new category, that's a whole new way of living. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, so when my kids get angry at each other or they do one like Reed will hit Remy because he's a little frustrated that Remy won't give him something, you know, still learning those social cues. You can't just hit somebody because they don't want to give you something. Oh, man. Right. So I'll tell them, Reed, go say sorry to your sister. And he'll walk up and say, I'm sorry. And uh, for the most part, like he means it. But there are those moments where that I'm sorry is insincere. And then I say, Remy, now you tell him what? And she'll say, I forgive you. But it's kind of like you said, it's shaking that thought process of like, I I have to tell someone I'm sorry. And I have to tell someone I forgive them because that completes the reconciliation that we were kind of talking about then. And what Jesus is telling us here are those same people that I love, that there's no discrimination on how I treat everybody, whether they're good or unrighteous. They get the sun, they get the rain. So I show no discrimination on how I love them. You guys have to do the same. And that starts off with a prayer. Because when I pray for someone, I have to actually have a genuine care for them. And even if I start off the prayer without a genuine care for them, by the time I'm done, I definitely have a genuine care for them. Because you just can't go to God's presence with someone, uh, you know, in mind and in the back of your head saying, no, but I still hate them. You know, like it's just. Well, even if you do that, I feel prayer is a real experience. Like you said, coming into his presence. So even if you start from that point, if you're truly, sincerely coming to God, he will be working on you. Even if you just keep coming to him, say it takes like a week or a month that you just keep coming, you're angry at someone. God will work on you to where that will change. But the way that that will change is in prayer. Mm -hmm. And when you're getting to prayer, I mean, don't go in there to like, Lord, your vengeance is yours and you take them out, Lord, in your way and they can't harm your children. I've done that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that's why I'm saying, you know, we, we... like you were saying, we start off, we can start off in a tone. But I, when you said that, I thought of that because I remember starting off on that tone. Like, Lord, they've done wrong me. You've done wrong them now. Like, get them. And uh, by the time I continuously prayed for people, that changed to like, you know what, Lord? I don't care. Bless them. Love them. Put someone in their path to just so that they could have a relationship with you. But my thought process changed. And I I think God, uh, Jesus is so spot on. Of course he's spot on because he's Jesus when he's telling us to pray for people. Because again, it's this freeing thing. And what loving your enemies does is it frees you. It brings reconciliation so that you don't, uh, you don't have to like them, but it's telling them like, yeah, I'm going to pray for you and and I can do things to help you and I'll learn to love you. But it's freeing. And I think that's the important part of loving your enemies. And what Jesus wants to do is where he wants to free us where hatred will captivate us, keep us chained and and locked down. And I think in freeing, for as much as there's love, there needs to be the truth aspect because Jesus Mm -hmm. says the truth will set you free. And for me, the truth of, again, what we're dealing with here on earth is the truth is we are all supposed to be part of God's family. We are all supposed to be brothers and sisters. So when you start with that truth and you're acting in love, then it frees you to go to the point of what do I want here? Do I want you to get punished? Is that the ultimate end goal is that you did me wrong? So now I'm going to take an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. For me, the thing that supersedes that is if I could have you as a brother, 
If I yeah. can have you as a sister to where it's not just about enemies that are coming forth and each one of us is getting what's just do us, but all of a sudden like that's been completely transformed into we're now building together. Mm-hmm. We are now part of this thing, relying on each other, building each other up. I've gained something so much more that when I have that truth and that love and that that's the end goal that I'm trying to get to, that's where praying makes sense. <laughs> you know, that's where taking the slaps makes sense because it's, oh, I really, really, really want that thing. Yeah. I don't just want you to get what's due to you for, you know, being a crappy person. I want you to, you know, I want this to be right. I like that. The idea that, you know, bringing us together as brothers and sisters instead of enemies, instead of rivals, we now become joined together and serving in the same cause. But that only does come from us learning to love people the right and proper way. And I read this, you know, it says, as Christians, we must return good for evil as an investment of love. And I I just thought that's such a cool idea, investment of love. When I return good from evil, it doesn't necessarily mean that that person is going to change right there on the spot but I'm investing love into them and then maybe someone else will invest love into them and then it does what you were saying, brings them into to ultimately before God and their life gets changed and now instead of enemies, we're brother and sister united going after the true enemy and, and all that. So I thought that was a really cool thing. Yeah, and I think that too, when we look at as far as our enemies and why they are enemies to us, is we don't like them for some reason. We're judging them for some reason. There's something that's transpired between the two single people or the two groups of people that it's like, oh, now you're an enemy. And I think looking at Romans chapter 2, there's a few verses here that I'll read off. So Paul here is in Romans 2, says, you may think you you can condemn such people, but you're just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say that they are wicked and they should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things, right? It's like, we want to make them out to be the bad guys. Like, dude, check yourself, right? Mm -hmm. But then it goes on to say, and we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things, which puts us in the same category, right? So since you who judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things, right? We're playing favoritism towards ourselves. Meanwhile, in Matthew, we're seeing, hey, God sends his, his... rain and the sunshine on everybody his mercies on everybody but then really this last part here in 2 4 says don't you see how wonderfully kind tolerant and patient god is with you does this mean nothing to you can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin so that when we see that god is being patient that he's being kind that his good deeds towards us are for the purpose of that we can see that that's good and want to turn away from what's wrong. So that then when we have that same stature towards others that, hey, you're doing wrong, but I want to treat you with kindness, and I want to show you what, at least from my half of this relationship, that I can show you what my half looking lovingly towards you looks like, that hopefully you would say, hey, why am I doing this? Why am I keeping up the role of the enemy? It would be so much better to turn from that role of enemy and to come in that both of us are acting in love. So the goodness leads to repentance. It made me think about the idea of, you know, when we love God and we say we love God, that love should overflow out of us so easily. Mm -hmm. And maybe I can't love my enemies because I'm not loving God right. Maybe I can't love even my neighbors because I don't love God the way I think I sh- or the way I should and I'm only doing it to a certain level you know like my relationship with God is already 
messed up or jacked up that that's why my relationship with other people is messed up and jacked up. And maybe the right course is learning to really love God the way I should with full honor, with full respect and doing what his word commands me to do and being obedient and even looking at a passage where it says, hey, love your enemies, pray for your enemies. And instead of saying, no, God, because I don't want to, saying, okay, because you've asked me to. You know, and I think that's such a, it's a crazy thing because for me, I know personally social anxieties to like interact even with my neighbors sometimes is, is really difficult. But to interact with someone who actually does not like me you know, I could see myself falling into those traps of like, well, you don't like me, so I don't have to like you type things. Uh, but I have to check myself because then if that's the if that's what's overflowing out of me, clearly the right amount of love isn't flowing into me. Man, it's like the extent that you're able to love others is to the extent that you've submitted yourself to God. Yes. Right. For as much as he has of you, he can love through that. Mm -hmm. And so if you're withholding yourself from God, if your relationship with God isn't there, if you're not loving him fully and you know that you're blocking off parts of yourself, then how is he going to work through that? So, you know, if he has 50% of your heart, then that means, you know, how does mm -hmm. that love come out of you towards others, the other 50% of the time? Because he's got to work in you first, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't just coming from, oh, if it's going to magically happen, it's, that's not how this works. You know, dude, I'm really at this moment while we're talking, like, totally not podcast like notes like I normally do blown away because verse 48 just made 100% sense to me right now. Well, teach us. <laughs> uh, be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. And when we were talking about it, well, during the break time of the idea of its completeness and its maturity in your relationship with Christ. So Jesus is ending all of this. Love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Uh, give the tunic of someone suing you, walk an extra mile, pray for your enemies, be better than the tax collectors, be better than the pagans. Your your light has to shine beyond that. You got to do beyond that. You got to be excellent. Grow up is how he ends it. And the only solution to all that is your maturity and your relationship to Christ and with God. I can only accomplish these things if I'm perfect, not meaning sinless, but meaning complete in my relationship with God that I can go out and be mature enough. Because then, like you were saying, the submissiveness, right? Uh, my, I can't love others because I'm not submissive completely to God. If I'm submissive completely to God, then I love others so easily. And I'm only submissive to God if I'm in a place where he completes me as a being. Right. So then to be able to go to him and open yourself up to the places to where we are lacking, right? Because mm -hmm. we're not complete without him so we're able to open up those parts of us that aren't complete the parts that are angry the parts that are greedy the parts that are <laughs> vengeful you right. know all of these different things and to be able to come to him but then also see him for who he is he's working in our life and it's whoa 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 this is what completeness looks like because we go back to the garden again back to jesus restored all things on the cross and everything's coming towards that restoration is that Go back to the very beginning. We were made in his image. Yeah. And the restoration of his image in our life, that completeness and that maturity of growing up to, hey, cast aside these childish things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That always stood out to me. Like when I would read it, it never made sense why it was there until right now. Why he would end this section with be perfect. Because it doesn't flow. Like if we were having a conversation, it doesn't really flow with it. It's just now all of a sudden like God's telling us, 
hey, be perfect because your father's perfect in heaven. But it didn't really kind of connect. So it didn't connect with me until we read, I read that and you were talking that idea of like, that's the, that's the thing. You want to love your enemy. It's a maturity. It's a relationship with God. And the reason why, and you said this, the reason why God's saying this, why Jesus is putting this in there is that we need to reflect God. And here on this earth, we reflect Jesus. We were supposed to look like God. We were created in his image. But I don't look like God if I'm over there like someone's smacking me and then I'm beating them up and jumping them and taking all their money. You know, that's not the reflection of God. That's not what he would do. It would be turn the other cheek and pray, you know, like that, that's showing them the love that they need in that moment. Right. So, and when we're looking at this, our enemies, right? We're mm-hmm. supposed to pray for our enemies. We're supposed to love them. We're supposed to, you know, let our, our light and our sunshine and our rain fall and rise on them, like, just like God does, right? So it does come into the thing of within church life because we are your church friends, so we're going to talk about church life. What about those people that are within your church congregation yeah. that you never reconciled that relationship because you never grew up, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Or what about the fact of your church congregation versus the other church congregations? Maybe you're part of one of these types of churches to where the other churches are wrong, you know, and you're the ones that have it right, and it's, oh, their doctrine is all bad, and they've become enemies because of their doctrine. But then if you take it outside of church life, which it still kind of is church life, and you go, well, what about those sinners? Yeah. And we've made it out to be that the sinners are the enemies of the church. Again, it almost goes back to that. Sometimes the church is looking for eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, rather than loving everybody and praying for everybody. I've probably heard more people get upset about what quote unquote sinners are doing in the world than I've heard compassion and heartbreaking and love in prayer yeah you know it's all god save us from these sinners what's going on in this world come back save us rather than oh god how can i love these people more and it's it's fascinating that i totally agree that we do sometimes kind of cut back when we shouldn't look at people anyone around us we kind of do that at times to look at them as the enemy when like the real enemy is the one like we talked about earlier causing the division causing the separation between us yes the i mean the enemy would love to cause separation between the church and sinners or non-church people right because if we're separating ourselves from the non-church then we're not saving the non-church we're not going out there and making an impact in their lives and for jesus to bring up prayer and then we're going to get into prayer in a little bit in the next few episodes and then we get into how he teaches everyone to pray prayer is such a huge part of our relationship with god but it's also the biggest tool that we have in our strap yet we use it so little as as christians to like someone does something to me and just praying for them totally would change my mindset but it would also start working in their hearts but we're not doing it and we're, we're allowing it to just separate us. We're allowing that thing, the enemy to keep us separate. And we just do this. And that was, I like that you brought that up. I, I'm probably going to keep rambling on, but I think prayer is such the key to so much of our life issues. And I think that when you retrospectively apply prayer to those other sections that we've gone through as far as anger and lust and adultery and divorce, is that when you take prayer and you put that in, right, that person that you're angry against, when you start praying for that person, the anger starts to go away. Yeah. Uh, when there's that lust issue, if you, if you look at a man or a woman with lust, and then you change that to praying for that person instead, like, imagine how much the enemy's gonna want to tempt you. Mm-hmm. If every time he tempts you to look at something, you start praying for that person. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's where prayer is a spiritual weapon. 
to where as we go throughout the day, all of these different things that Jesus is showing us can attack our inner person and lead us to, you know, follow these wicked desires. He's going, whoa, 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 let's get you equipped here. And I'm with you. Prayer is one of those things that is so underutilized. And that's a mistake. I read this uh, from Dallas Willard, uh, probably one of my most favorite people I like to quote, but he wrote a book, Divine Conspiracy, which is actually all about uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which I need to get. Uh, but I wrote, read this. He said, um, Jesus never expected us to simply turn the other cheek, go the second mile, bless those who persecute us, give unto them that ask, and so forth. The response generally and rightly understood to be a characteristic of Christ's likeness, where were put forth by him as an illustration illustrative of what might be expected of the new kind of person one who intelligently and steadfastly seeks above all else to live within the rule of god and be possessed by the kind of righteousness that god himself has as matthew 6:33 portrays instead jesus didn't invite people to follow him into all sort of life from which behavior such as loving one's enemies will seem like the only sensible instead Jesus did invite people, sorry, I read that wrong. Jesus did invite people to follow him into that sort of life for which behaviors such as loving one's enemies will seem like the only sensible and happy thing to do. For a person living that life, the hard thing to do would be to hate the enemy, to turn away and to curse someone. True Christ-likeness, true companionship with Christ comes at the point where it is the hardest, it is hard not to respond as he would. And even kind of summing up that last verse that we talked about, like, be perfect, be complete in God. Our true relationship with God, when it's really there, the hard response, the hard thing to do would be hate my enemy. Right. That's what I was trying to say, that, like, he's not just here to give us little ingredients Mm -hmm. to make life better. He's here to give us a completely new life. Yeah. To where that's the whole mindset, is that the only thing that makes sense is to love a person. And to hate them just breaks your brain. Um, I did want to point out... Man, that quote is amazing, and maybe we can put that on the show notes somewhere. Yeah, that way that people can read through it. But I did want to point out is that in Jesus commanding us to live this way, we have to remember, like we pointed out, he didn't just talk this, but he walked this. And what this resulted in him walking was to his death on the cross. So that in us loving our enemies, I think that a reward that we get from that is that some people will turn Sometimes we'll be able to see that person turn to God during our lifetime. Other times they won't, you know, but I think that a hard reality is we are called to love and we will suffer. I mean, Jesus even says to the point of death It's just because we live this way. It's not like, cool, here's how to avoid all hardships in life. Jesus is saying, here's the proper way of living. And the hard part is there is evil in the world and you're just going to have to live through that. But you don't want to respond with evil to evil with evil. You don't want to respond to the temptation by giving into the temptation. It's no, you're called to walk a life of love and of truth. So do that. And the hard thing is, it's going to be hard. I like that you brought that up at the end, too, because Jesus's whole death was insults, insults, insults. And he remained silent, Mm -hmm. took it all in. And then even up to the point where he was on the cross, insults from the two guys who were on the cross with him. And then at one point, one guy says, because he had seen Jesus not respond in anger, not calling down the angels to take everyone out like he could have, lovingly stayed on the cross, submissive to God's will and obedient, said, remember me today in paradise. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Reconciliation. Yep. 
the whole trifecta of what Jesus says in these verses fulfilled in those moments in that time in his life. The beauty of our Savior is that he doesn't ask us to do what he hasn't done. The hardness of us as people is submitting to do what he's done. And this is this is one of those other things. Jesus is just like, there's no other option. You love your enemy because that's the command. And if you don't, you have just broken the command. So are you going to be complete in me and do it? Or are you going to be completing yourself and not? And I think that when you've not submitted, submitting seems like the hardest thing. But mm-hmm. you said it earlier. Once you actually submit, it's so freeing. Yeah. Like this can seem like super difficult. Or you can look at all this stuff. You're even talking about hardships. It's like, man, when you're actually in God's will living this thing out, there is no better mode of living. Mm-hmm. So do that. Yes. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm all tapped out. I'm Me done too. with me reading all my quotes and everything like I always do. Uh, so uh, I guess that's it. Yeah. All right. Uh, we are your church friends. Thanks for listening. <laughs>